God, we come before you and we thank you for your good name. We thank you for the work of your son on the cross and we thank you uh, for the life that you give us as a result of our faith in you and the, the work of your son on the cross. So God, we just take tonight and we set aside these few moments to talk about and to share about some of the things you put in front of us through your word. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would guide us and lead us and direct us through this section of scripture. Um, and we just ask these things all in your son's name. In Jesus' good name, amen. All right, so give me some things. Where do people go when they're stressed or when they're overdone? Anything you heard. It doesn't have to be you. It can be the person that, that told you. Anything? Happy hour. Happy hour. There you go. Sometimes you just got to do it. I don't know. what Those little tiny hamburgers. Mountains. Weight room. Weight room. That's good. A football. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. A few athletic supporters in the building. That's good. All right. Where else? Art. That is great. Where else? Work? Yeah, I know you go to work. Like, oh, okay, all right. Where else? Listen to music, throw in the headphones, right? It's straight to your brain. Good. In, to the movies. I, I love the movies. That's a good place for me. Make myself sick on popcorn every time. I feel horrible. Uh, every, every time I use the restroom after a movie, just to be real, I look at myself in the mirror like, what did you just do to yourself, right? Like, why did I do that? But it felt so good starting, right? Okay, other thoughts? Anything else? Somebody hasn't said? Take a walk. Take a walk. Sometimes you just got to get out. Even if it's like a thousand degrees outside, right? You just got to get out there and let it go. Sometimes we just have to get away. And one of the things that... Um, I want to stress for us as a, a life principle is this, that you and I are always teaching people um, something about ourselves, whether we are implicitly telling them something or just walking around living. We are always sending out messages from ourselves. And some of those messages are really good, like, oh, man, that's a generous person. Oh, that's a, that's a really happy person. Oh, that's somebody who trusts in Christ, right? Like, there's some things that people kind of look at you, and they just see you living, and they go, wow, that's a, that's a good message. But then there's those things that we're not too pumped up about, right? Um, I don't know if you've experienced this. I know I have, where people point out traits that I'm, I'm not very happy about. Uh, my kids do that really well to me. And I don't express it to them sometimes like daddy's very angry right now. But um, my kids and my wife pick up like, if you don't clean up the garage, dad's going to be a little bit frustrated with you. They don't say that so kindly. Um, if you don't make your bed and get the day rolling right. Like I'm a morning person, the rest in my house, um, except for Rowan, she's kind of borderline. Everybody else loves their morning sleep. And I'm like up and I'm like ready to go, right? And so here I am. If you mess up my morning, that, that kind of upsets me. Now, I've never told the kids, like, you've messed up my morning. I don't like you. No, but they will say uh, every once in a while, hey, uh, Dad, sorry for messing up your morning. Like, I know that frustrates you. What I've done is I've communicated to them somehow, in some way, that when they don't do the things that I would hope they would do in the way that I hope they would do them, that if my mornings get messed up, I have kind of a shorter fuse that day. Think about this one. I, I had somebody uh, mention this to me the other day. They, they started the conversation and said, I know you're a really busy guy and you don't have very much time, but darn it, one of my goals in life is not to seem like I'm headed to the next thing. 
Like, I want to be completely present in the conversation. But somehow, with this person in particular and with a few people, I kept hearing from people, I know you're busy, I know you've got a lot going on, but, or, I know there's so much on your plate, I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about this, though. And I found myself in a place where I was teaching people things about me and teaching people lessons that I never implicitly was saying. So the big kind of big picture life lesson for us, the thing that I want us to hold on to is no matter what, whether you intend to do it or not, you and I are always teaching people something about ourselves or God by just our regular lives, whether we say it or whether we're just living. So hold on to that one. Now let's go to the scripture here and and we're going to walk through it. It says, so see what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. Now you guys just read this all together. Um, The state that we'd be finding Paul in, there's a couple different ways that we can look at this. One is uh, the perspective that Paul thought this was so big and so important that he wrote this in big letters with his own hand. Now, the other side, and probably more the scholarly side, would say that at this point in his life, Paul was most likely dictating most, if not all, of his letters to people. His body was breaking down, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, why that would be happening. His mind was still intact, but there was a lot of times he was dictating letters, like while he was in prison, um, and he had people helping and serving him. But in this point, he had gone through the whole book, and one of the things that's kind of uh, believed by scholars is that at this point, Paul would have said, okay, I've put the scribe away. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this. And I'm, I'm going to write it in a way that I can see it because Paul was actually going blind um, as well. And so writing in big letters with his own penmanship, maybe it wasn't too nice, maybe it wasn't too pretty, maybe, however, right? But he's saying, this is so important. I want you to hear this from my own hand. It may not look like what you just read. It's going to be something a little bit different, but you're going to know This is coming from me. And he goes on to say this. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. What I'm going to do is I'm going to insert like, okay, so circumcision is just kind of a kind of a gross word. Like some people struggle with certain words in the English level language. That's one that I'm just like. We're going to leave that one alone for a minute. I know that was the issue that they were having, but let's just say this. Instead of circumcision, we're going to say following the law. Okay? So as we read that again, let's say this. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to just follow the law. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. And what he was pointing out to people was it was not the cool thing to be like a Christ follower. You guys have seen like the Christian fish symbol, right? You're like, it's usually on the back of the cars who are the people who are about to flip you off on the road. Like, yeah, that's the typical, right? And, and so um, the Christian fish symbol, that was like one of those things back in the day, like it was not a cool thing to be a Christian. So one of the things that the persecuted church figured out how to do is they'd be cruising along and somebody would just put an arch like the top half of the fish in the dirt. And if another person in the group was a believer, they would come and they would finish the bottom half 
and they would create this two arcs that turn into a fish. And they would know we're a follower of the way. We're fishers of men, right? We follow the teachings of Christ. Now, back in, in this time, the big jump was going from being people who followed the Jewish faith and the laws and the custom of the Jews and people who stood under the cross of Christ and salvation through the cross alone. And the big tension here, and we've been talking about it for several, several weeks, was this whole concept that it was the, the natural tendency of most people to want to fall back to just doing the law. Like, I can get a hold of that. I can understand that. And it's easier to look, and it's easier for all of us to go, okay, so if I just wear the blue shirt with the gray khaki pants or whatever and show up in the right shoes at the right time to the right place and say the right things in the right way and wash my hands appropriately and do those things, then I'm good. Because we all want to be able to, like, check mark our faith. But what happened is, when Jesus came, he made it a lot more complicated than that. He said, salvation is not through all the check marks, it's through me. You have to believe in me, and you have to trust in the work that I'm going to do on the cross. So I'm going to get on this cross, and I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to raise from the dead. And a lot of people aren't going to believe you, but what I'm telling you tonight is the truth. And I need you to follow this. And that wasn't the cool way to go. So, most people were saying, like, Oh, you're a follower of Christ? Yeah, but I still uphold the law. And then when people would come into the community of faith, right? Like Kendall and I, he was just sharing a little bit earlier. One of the things is like, for him, this is not a safe place to be up in front of a church talking and sharing and asking you guys to engage with the church. Like it would be easier if it was just a restaurant and with kind of crazy people who work there and all that kind of stuff. Right. But when you get up in front of a group of people and you're saying, like, I'm speaking to the church now, whoo, that's heavy. Right. It makes you read your Bible differently. It makes you do things differently. And one of the things that, that would be easy would be for me to go to Kendall and say, instead of us trying to figure out what life looks like in the, in the, in behind the cross, like now that Christ has been on the cross crucified and raised again, now there's things that need to change in life. It'd be a lot easier if I just handed Kendall like a 10 point checklist and said, you do these 10 things and then you come back to me and we'll make sure you're good for the next part. See, the most, most of the time, what we want is we want like Mr. Miyagi faith, right? Wax on, wax off, right? That's what we want to know. Like, I'm just waxing the car. That's what my faith looks like. But what Christ says is, I'm going to skip you through, and you're going to do a whole lot of stuff along the way. And Mr. Miyagi's not going to tell you exactly all the little things you're doing, right? You're not just going to paint the fence, Right? You're not just going to wax on, wax off. You're going to be learning things and growing things. And I'm going to put things in your heart that are going to challenge you and cause you in different ways to respond to what you know to be a gift from God. That's where it gets sticky. That's where we sit down with friends. And one of our dear friends in a Bible study said, you know what I've realized? It's like I come home and I won't talk to my family until I'm about two or three beers in. And after I'm that point, then we can hang out. Or maybe I've had my glass or two of wine. Now I can handle being around my kids. Now I can get there. And what we realize is the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our heart says, no, 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 I want you to put away some of the things that you used to do. And I want you to start living this way. 
So this one guy at our Bible study, he came and he was like, I just need you guys to know, like God's totally set me free from addictions that I didn't even know I had. Like I, it wasn't anything gross or bad or horrible, but what I was realizing is like I was self-medicating or I was avoiding things or I was not telling the truth in my life. And so what, what was happening was I was putting my trust in something else and Christ has convicted me of that. But it's a lot easier just to follow those rules, right? It's a lot easier just to say, okay, A, B, C, D, I'm good. Have a good day. But let me just remind us tonight that the work of the cross invades our souls. Like, and it goes places that nothing and no rule can ever invade. So for these people, it was following the law or specifically circumcision, actually having their bodies altered to become something. Paul says, this is not it. He goes on in verse 13 to say, not even those who are circumcised or who are law followers obey the law. Yet they want you to obey the law that they may boast about your flesh, that they can just put a notch in their belt. And and this is what would happen. Those same people, they would come. And again, talking about circumcision, which kids talk to your parents about that later. It's kind of gross. But um, as we go on, what we'll see is these guys are actually coming and going, hey, under my watch, six people circumcised today, just so you know. Hey, by the way, under my watch, I had 12. Under my watch, I had, under, I had this. And they were boasting in how great they were. Now, here's why you boast. Because to actually get a guy to commit to doing that is kind of a big deal. That's like the ultimate. Like, hey, you want to be one of us? Show me what you got and we'll make sure you're snipped appropriately, right? And if you can convince somebody to do that, Wow, you must be rock and roll. You're like an all-star Christian now. And what Paul says is all of that, and I'll use the uh, kind of bad term, all of that's crap. Like it means nothing. All of that is meaningless. It's useless. That doesn't mean anything. And he goes on here and he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, may I never brag about how many converts or how many great things I've done or how much I gave in the offering or how many people I supported in missions or any of those things. Those are only blessings that get to flow out of my life as a result of the cross. And because of the cross, none of this stuff makes sense anymore to me. And everything makes sense now that my life is put on the cross. I love how he says this. The world has been crucified to me. and I have been crucified with Christ. Wow. I love that idea. Like for me, if I could just turn my mind, and this is something that I felt God has been doing even in my life as I study this and as I go through this, one of those places where God just turns my heart and changes my heart because I'm realizing that I put my hope and my trust in a lot of other things than what, what I really would like to. I'm teaching my kids and I'm teaching people around me that there are things to be trusted other than the presence of God in my life whether I say it or not. And I don't want to be doing that. I want the world to be crucified to me. So last week we were, had just a great week. This last week has just been awesome. Um, and like Tuesday, 
on. We uh, spent some time just being together as a family and with friends. And we met uh, Mike and Cheryl and we went up to uh, Bass Lake where it was all on fire and it was crazy. And we watched like the biggest bonfire ever from their deck at night and stuff. And, and we're, it, it was just mind blowing that whole deal. But as we're cruising through, I realize that there's a part of me that just craves, like there's these million dollar homes like all along the lake. And now the lake is really low, so they don't look that appetizing right now. But I realized, man, that would be just rad, like, to have that. And then I remember, oh, Jeff, you picked the totally wrong job to have one of those ever, right? You'll never get there, dude. Um, And then I went home, and I checked my Wells Fargo account, and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't even get, like... uh, dividends off of my savings account or anything right like there's nothing there and and when i look i'm looking and like i kept pointing out i was like now that's the house that's the house and i realized there's something in me that just craves that and here i'm reading every morning when i wake up before i come down and see everybody i'm reading this thing the world is crucified to me the world is crucified to me. And one of the things that was crazy is as we're driving out of there, like in my head, I would just, oh man, that would be so awesome. And then we headed down to the coast and we're like driving along and I'm looking at all these houses right along the shoreline, right on either side of the place. And I realized, you know what? Everything that's most valuable is in this book and in this car with me as I'm traveling with my wife and kids and my family down the road. Somewhere along, even this week, Christ crucified a bunch of things in the world to my heart and crucified me again with Christ to say, whatever you want to do, I'm going to do. A lot of us picture it, this is like a one-time thing, but truly, because we're human, like this is an everyday kind of a thing. So really, the, the question for us is, what do you trust in? What are you boasting? Where's your security? Where's your hope? I love it when people go, um, especially white people in America. We do this a lot, right? Um, and I'm not just big on white people, but just white people, right? I'm one. And, and what we do a lot of the times is we, we, we talk about like, oh, I'm having such a hard time. I'm having such a hard deal. I, I'm really struggling to make it. And then on the other side, we get these like uppity church services sometimes where we'll say, no, I give everything to Jesus. I I have nothing that he couldn't take. But you know who are the very first people who show up and need tons of prayer when the market falls out or when our crops fail or when milk prices go down or all of those kind of things? It's the same people that said, I don't trust in money. I trust in Jesus. The truth of it is, whether it's money family like don't get me started on the number of families and college students that i talk to and they're no 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 i have no gods before christ himself and then their parents get a divorce during their first year of college and they throw their entire lives away wrecking themselves because what they didn't realize is their family was their god and that was their security and their hope Right? What what do we trust in really at the bottom line? Is it our family? Is it our finances? Is it the security that I have in my own home? Is it is it the people that I'm in control over or or working with? Is it my position? What is it? Or have we allowed the world to be crucified to us and ourselves to be crucified with Christ? 
Paul finishes us out like this. Neither circumcision or following the law nor uncircumcision not doing the law means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. Be a new creation, right? Even to the Israel of God. He says, I want you, even if you're Israel, I want you to be made new and fresh. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And one of the things that I like here is Paul gives this really big admonishment. Like he says, it's not about the law. And anybody who tells you about the law is wrong. And he just like throws it out there. And then I love how he puts at the end, he basically says this, where he says, finally, let no one cause me trouble, right? He says, and if you got a problem with that, come and check me out. I, I can prove to you I know what I'm talking about. Because as I was looking back, I just kind of started marking down the places that Paul had been suffering. One, in Acts 14, 19, he was stoned. Um, he was beaten in Acts 16, 22. Second Corinthians 11, 25, he was sick. Second Corinthians 12, 7. Galatians 4, 13, he was also sick and struggling. They had marked him as a servant of Christ. His body was a wreck. He says, anybody got a problem with that? You, come talk to me. I'm the guy who got stoned for this whole thing. I'm the guy who got beat up for this whole thing. I'm the guy who's given everything. And I'm telling you, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But it's Christ who is in me and through me that I give testimony to. And so where does this come down for me? Kind of my picture and my thought, not kind of my real picture and my thought for us tonight is this. Are the lessons that we are screaming out from our actions and our lives lessons that reflect being crucified with Christ? Are they things that, that we're teaching our children and our co-workers and our friends and our family and the people around us? Are they things that say, wow, that person is really different. There's something different there because of the presence of God. Or do we kind of look the same? Because the issue here was that there was a bunch of people following the rules who still kind of looked the same. And for us, my challenge would be every day this week, would we wake up and we, before we let our feet hit the floor, not just give thanks to God, but ask, would you help crucify this world to me and crucify me with Christ? Would I be a sacrifice to those around me? And would you just put all the things that I've been carrying around and trusting? Would you crucify those things so that my hope and my boast and my trust is in only one thing? And that's the cross of Christ and him crucified. So I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. We do this every week where we just stop and we reflect. And again, I have no idea like how this hits everybody. I know what it's been doing in my heart. But I'd just like you guys to just close your eyes and kind of ask God for yourself. Like, okay, God, here's just a few minutes. Like, what do you have for me? And maybe even as I was talking, there was things that were coming quickly to your mind. Um, just so you know, that's the way God talks to us most of the time. 
So if there was something that just kept nagging you, darn it, I'm sad to say, like, that's probably the Holy Spirit putting that on your heart. So whatever that would be, I'm just going to give you some time just to kind of lay some things down in front of the Almighty here, just on your own for a minute. And so just in response to that, I'd like to pray over us. God, we hear what you're sharing with us and and our spirits are open to whatever you want to reveal to us. In doing that, I'm saying, God, there's a couple things that all week you've been putting on my heart and I want to respond. I don't want to let another week go by saying, oh yeah, I'll get to that or I'll let that go. I'm going to, it's you and me, God, this week, we got this. So God, I just pray over everybody who's here that the places you've been speaking to us would be places where we could take action and and not through our own ability. I don't want any of us to strive for our own gain or feel like we could accomplish anything on our own will, but really that it would be through your righteous power and truth speaking into our lives so that we could act with your strength. And with that, being prayed, I also want to give an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you've not had an opportunity where you've proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ like Paul did, where he said, I will boast in nothing else but the cross. If you don't have a relationship with Christ in that way, where where everything about you at some point you've said, I receive the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. It doesn't have to be long or drawn out. We just pray this together. And for all of us, we can kind of pray along where we just say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry for the places where I've let you down. God, I'm, I'm disappointed in the things that I've done that maybe have broken your heart. And I know that I'm a broken, messed up person, period. And Father, in recognizing that, I want to trust you with my life. I, I do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you want to create in me a new creation. And so, God, through the presence of your son, Jesus Christ, have your way in my life. Take the things that disgust me about me and make them right through the power of your Holy Spirit and your son. Take that, that picture of me that's been given to me by the evil one and begin to redeem that and renegotiate that in my mind and heart and spirit that I might see that you've chosen me. I confess my sins and I'm believing in my heart that Christ was raised for the dead so that I could be alive again. Father, may my life glorify your son. So just kind of in this place, the, I love that the breeze blows through here right about this time every night. Would we marvel in the fact that Christ, through the power of God, 
is doing miracles here, changing our hearts, opening our eyes, and helping us see what he has for us. Kind of wrap it up before everybody starts looking around and we get over to dinner. I'm just going to ask if that was you tonight where you responded and this has really caught your attention and either you responded for Christ or you just want somebody else praying with you this week. If you want to just look up or raise your hand or something and I can partner with you and, and pray this week. It's not a big deal. We're not going to make a big show, but I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the strength this week to do all you've put on our hearts to do. You'd bless us, encourage us, and give us strength. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us in our hearts and our spirits. And would we live for you every minute of every day this week. Don't let us be one day a week Christians, but help us to be seven day a week saved people in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.